My daughter and I were employed for the same company, and so every day we took lunch together. And we were sitting out in the car, and at lunchtime, the crows would come every day, you know, but one day this crow came up and landed on the car next to us, and it made a more of a cooing, gurgling sound in its throat, and I told my daughter, I bet that crow could talk. So my uncle, Eddie, had a crow that could talk. I said, but it could. So we started, I started feeding it treats. I'd say, hello, hello. And I threw it out some treats that went and ate them. And it started looking at me like from the, like sideways out of its eye. Like, and I said, I'd say, hello, hello. And it kept listening to me. By the end of that lunchtime, half an hour, I'm not kidding, that crow, you could understand it was trying to say it. By the third day, it was fluent. And it would come every day for about four years and sit on my car and actually start getting on my mirror, my rear mirror, and it would say, hello, 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 until I gave it a treat. You may have guessed that this time we're talking about crows, or more broadly speaking, corvids. The corvid crow family currently consists of 133 species, including ravens, jays, magpies, jackdaws, and of course, a most mysterious, sleek, raucous, and clever creature, the crow. Corvids have been written about by authors such as Edgar Allan Poe for years. They are often associated with the macabre, trickery, and death, to the point that the scientific term for a gathering of crows is called a murder. Today, however, we're going to bring attention to just how intelligent and even family-oriented these birds can be. So sit back and be prepared to rethink any preconceived notions you might have about crows as we introduce you to one of America's most ingenious birds. I'm Anna Vanover, and this is Rise for Wildlife. are a most interesting creature. To understand them better, it might help to look at their past. At one time, there were four species of crow. They were the American crow, the fish crow, the northwestern crow, and the tamalapus crow. In the summer of 2020, the northwestern crow was absorbed into the American crow by way of hybridization. The Tamalapus crow is rarely seen and shows up only during the winter months at the southern tip of Texas. American crows are the most familiar to the United States. These large, very intelligent, shiny black birds can commonly be spotted as perfectly striking silhouettes on power poles or in treetops. Occasionally, we see them near the roadside, where they employ passing vehicles to run over and crack open a nut they have placed in just the right spot. In fact, crows are always finding inventive ways to make life easier for themselves. After all, why should they struggle to open a walnut if a 3,500-pound SUV can do it for them? As true omnivores and opportunists, they do eat just about anything, from insects and earthworms to fruit 
and cast off fast food and trash. They are genuine survivors. And then there's that all-too-familiar horse-cawing voice. Perhaps no birdsong is less melodious, and while we still don't understand much of their behavior, it is thought that crows have a language of their own and can distinguish between different human languages as well. Crows have a unique flight style that is instantly recognizable. They perform a slow rhythm with their wings, patiently and quietly flapping up and down in a graceful, wave-like motion. We often see American crows in large groups, but here's something interesting to know about these high-flying shadows. American crows congregate in large numbers during the winter to sleep in communal roosts. Believe it or not, according to Cornell University, these corvid hotels can vary from a few hundred crows to over two million. It is said that some of these roosts have been forming in the same general area for well over a hundred years. As with other kinds of wildlife that have lost their natural habitats over time, some of these crow roosts have moved into urban areas where the noise and mess cause conflicts with people. American crows, like so many of their animal counterparts, have learned to adapt to the hustle and bustle of the city. They will oftentimes eat from outdoor dog dishes or pluck the fruit from a backyard fruit tree. Crows cache food, meaning they hide food away in niches, nooks, and crannies. Crows work to fill pantries, such as knot holes in trees, to ensure a ready food supply during times of shortage. They've been known to make their own tools. For example, they've been seen using a cup to carry water over to a bowl of dry mash, or shaping a piece of wood and then poking it into the hole of a fence post or tree in hopes of scaring out a tasty bug that might be hiding there. Even fashioning weapons of sorts, such as breaking off pieces of pine cone to drop on tree climbers coming too near their nest. One thing is certain, they are not an inconspicuous bird. They have truly become part of the human's daily life. Sadly, like many wild animals found in urban areas, crows suffer under the reputation of being bad. It is true they raid crops and frequently steal eggs and chicks from other bird nests. But these are simply acts of survival. Now, less for survival than a love of bling, crows have been known to steal shiny objects, such as articles of jewelry from people. But if observed closely, they might be seen bringing a gift in exchange for the item taken. Crows are said to be able to count and are also known to be very discriminating in their abilities to identify specific objects. Of course, we don't advocate theft, but aside from that, crows behave like any smart shoppers. This is crow commerce. As you can see, crows are simply brilliant thinkers. And they are staunch defenders of right. You had better think twice before picking a fight with a crow. You see, 
They can remember the faces of human perpetrators for years. Dr. John M. Marsloff, a wildlife biologist at the University of Washington, has studied crows and ravens for more than 20 years. To discover whether or not crows recognize faces, Dr. Marsloff conducted an experiment that required the use of rubber masks. One kind of mask represented danger, the other, generosity or kindness. Researchers wearing the danger masks then trapped and banded seven crows on the university's campus in Seattle. Upon releasing the crows, the researchers wore both the danger and kindness masks periodically on campus. They walked specific routes and paid no attention to the crows. It didn't really matter that they left the crows alone, because the crows had certainly not forgotten what was done to them. They flew down and scolded those who were wearing the dangerous masks significantly more than they did before they had been trapped. To give more credibility to the theory that crows recognize faces, the participants wore hats or turned the masks upside down. This didn't matter. Dr. Marsloff said he was scolded by 47 of the 53 crows he had encountered. Oh, what about those wearing the masks of kindness? Well, the crows left them alone. We'll be right back. With this episode of Rise for Wildlife, we begin our third season. Once again, we're coming up on a busy time for licensed rescuers and rehabilitators. Spring means an influx of orphaned and injured baby animals, and the rehabbers need donations to help feed and house them all until they can be released back into the wild. So we're reaching out to you, asking that you would consider partnering with us by giving a donation of any size. Your contribution helps the rescuers and rehabilitators that we support with many of the essential needs they have. Listen to the end of this program and learn how you can contribute and partner with Rise for Wildlife to help with the needs of licensed rescuers and rehabilitators throughout the United States. Many of us have lived in our neighborhoods for years. Most of us know the names of the streets that surround our own. We know where the grocery store is, the mall, the post office, and have memorized the way to the homes of many of our friends and neighbors. We are so smart. But do you know the garbage truck routes in your neighborhood? Do you know which kids drop cookies and which ones throw rocks? Uh, do you know all of the families on your block that have dogs for pets? Do you know which ones are friendly? Well, crows do. In fact, according to Dr. John Marsluff, they know our neighborhood better than we do. They are so good at surveillance that we don't even know they're observing us. But they are. They are watching our every move. You may be interested to know that the American crow has become a longtime resident of our suburbs and large cities. Unlike many animals that have had to adapt to people taking over their habitats, the American crow has thrived from it. 
Our landscape has become an ideal environment for these crafty, shiny object-loving brainiacs. So you'll want to keep an eye on your Rolex or that diamond bracelet you might be wearing. Every few years, Dr. Marsluff retests the birds from his study. He discovered that not only do the crows remember and apparently never forget, it appears that they have actually shared their experience with other crows. Crows that were not in the original study. So, when a crow from a study recognizes one of the villains that did them wrong so long ago, all of their corvid friends join in to mob and scold the human culprit. Marsluff has found that each time he returns to the spot where the study took place, more and more crows join in to scold him. Here is an interesting fact. Dr. Marsluff says that all of the original crows that were trapped by the villain in the mask are likely dead now. And new crows have been told the tale, perhaps around the crow campfire, and continue to recognize and scold the researchers whenever they return to the study site. As our science progresses, it becomes more apparent that we humans should rethink our perception of wildlife. The more we seek to study our differences, the more we discover how similar our species really are. Think about it. How is it that these crows have passed down important lessons and information from generation to generation? We must stop assuming that we are smarter because we have grasped the concept of our own intelligence. And we should acknowledge that communication between our animal counterparts exists regardless of our ability to clearly understand it. We have seen animals learn our words and comprehend our intentions, yet we still can't understand them. Is it that we can't, or that we simply choose not to try? They know us so well, we understand them so little. I retired, it'll be last April 1st, it'll be two years. When I retired, I kind of worried about him, like who's gonna take care of him? But uh, I was sitting in my yard the next summer, a year later, and I heard, hello, hello. I went, no way. So I set up my yard and I'm looking up in the tree and I'm going, hello, hello. The neighbors probably thought I was nuts. <laughs> Sat there, hello, hello. And I heard, hello. He found me. I don't know if he had followed me home before or if he was flying around and saw my car. But he found me. And to this day, every certain times of year, he comes around and says hello. We'd like to give a special thank you to Darlene Asher for her story and to her friend, The Crow. I'm Anna Vanover, and this is Rise for Wildlife. Rise for Wildlife and the licensed rehabilitators who we support would like to thank you for your gift of any size. Your tax-deductible contribution helps us to help rescuers through information, support, and education. You can make your donation on PayPal by going to paypal.me backslash rise for wildlife incorporated. That's all one word, lowercase, no spaces. paypal.me 
backslash Rise for Wildlife INC. Rise for Wildlife Incorporated is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Hello.